Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain. I am your host, personal empowerment coach, Paul Coliani. I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion and is meant for information on educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, I just want to start by saying this. I don't think I ever say this too often except at the end of the show. Uh, one, I appreciate you. Two, Thank you for listening. And three, uh, this is part like 2A actually. <laughs> Thank you for listening because you could choose any show to listen to and you chose this one. So I just want to acknowledge you. I think it's important every now and then to acknowledge the people that follow you, listen to you, work for you, um, are a subordinate in some way, your children, your mom and dad sometimes <laughs> depending on who they are in your life and uh, how they show up in your life and uh, service people you know like um, last night my girlfriend and I went to a restaurant and uh, it took about I don't know 20 minutes before anyone came to the table <laughs> we were seated and we were sitting there for about 20 minutes and uh, this one uh, waiter kept going by us and never even looked at us or acknowledged us so, you know, I'm very patient. We're both very patient. But 20 I'm still waiting for my water. We're still waiting for something to drink. But we have a feeling that we're just forgotten out here. And I'm sure the waiter is like, you know, it's not my table. And I don't want to start um, to take their order. And then they think that I am their waiter. I'm sure that thought is going through his head. But, uh, but after 20 minutes, we were like, okay, we need to say something. So the waiter comes out again and I asked, hey, you know, are you our waiter or are we waiting for someone else? You know, it's been 20 minutes. He goes, oh, you know what? I can start the order for you. You know, they, they cut me. It's a little slow tonight. Um, but absolutely, let me start the order. It was great how he handled it. I thought it was great. But it would have been nice if he noticed that nobody was waiting on us. But I understand, you know, you have your own section and all that. So he took our order. It was great. And then somebody else came out and she uh, helped us for the rest of the evening. It was fine. So the reason I'm saying this is that, uh, you know, we could look at that 20 minutes and go, God, this is going to be a terrible experience. We've waited for 20 minutes and now we're in a bad mood, which we weren't. I'm just saying it could could have gone this way. Now we're in a bad mood and uh, we're just going to tell them what we want, hope we get the food we want and hope it comes out in a timely manner. And um, when she took our order and she was very friendly and all all was good, uh, but she brought our our appetizers out. And like less than 30 seconds later, our meals came out. So we didn't have time to actually dive into our appetizers. So we're sitting there going, oh, okay, meals are here already. Uh, that could have, again, been something that we looked at and went, oh, you know, first the 20 minutes. And now our food comes out right after the appetizers. This is terrible. You know, these are first world problems, of course. But we didn't do that. We didn't do that. We focused on the other aspects of what was happening for the evening. You know, our appetizers came out, uh, they were tasty, um, then the food came out and that was tasty, we just had to eat it in a time frame that we didn't necessarily like, but that's okay. Again, first world problems, right? So we enjoyed the whole meal, and again, the wait staff was wonderful, but it wasn't like the perfect evening. But at the same time, it was very perfect. It was perfect because we got to eat. <laughs> we enjoyed the food. And these little things that maybe were, they weren't even irritations, but they could have been. They could have been like severe irritations. Like getting your food cold would be kind of an irritant. Getting food that you didn't order eh, could be an irritant for some, but that would be like, oh, I didn't order this. Um, and they're like, oh, so sorry. You know, you have these little irritants that could happen while you're out and about doing your thing. But my point is that the the connection with the people, I think, was very important. I think it overrode 
overrided, overrode the rest of the evening. Because when someone really tries to connect with you and develop rapport and just be friendly and kind and do their job, they're showing up for you in a way that is of service to you. Even though the service might not be perfect, even though they can't necessarily prevent everything that's going to go wrong, but they do their best to fix it. And every time I go out and, you know, experience some sort of service from someone or they come to our house and they, you know, fix the plumbing, fix something, the cable, um, something that serves us, then I like to see how they connect with me. I look for emotional connection. I look for rapport. I look for somebody who actually tries. And even though they're like five hours late, I'll open the door and they'll go, I am so sorry I'm late. Boy, when they do that, that five hours doesn't matter anymore. I mean, it does in a small way if I was waiting. And But this is a person that's trying to do their best. At least that's what it appears to be when they say, I'm so sorry. I mean, there could be an excuse. There could be something that he could have prevented or she could have prevented. But just the way they show up, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I really apologize for being so late. Just like last night, you know, I'm so sorry nobody waited on you for 20 minutes. And even the manager came out and said, how are things going? And that people connection is what made the evening perfect. I really appreciate when people at least try to make up for things. I think the true character of someone comes out in not how they show up, but in how they try to uh, repair or fix or make up for something that went wrong. In fact, I, I feel more bonded with someone when something goes wrong and they apologize, and they are actually genuine about it. And you can see that they really didn't want it to happen. I feel that bond. I feel that connection. And I access my compassion, and I go, boy, you know what? If that would happen to me, I would feel the same way, and I would hope that I was dealing with someone who would give me a break. And that's what we went through last night, that these people connected with us. Even though they could have been frustrated after working an 8-hour shift, a 10-hour shift, they still took the time to connect with us. They still had what I would call empathy. Like if I was sitting there, what would I expect? It could also be their training. (laughs) You know, they're waiting for 20 minutes. This is what you say to them. But at least there's an effort made. I mean, I've been places where there were no effort made. And it was disappointing. The food could have been great. It could have been served well. But there was no effort made, not a single smile, not a single uh, attempt at building rapport. And that's when, I'm sorry to say, the gratuity uh, isn't as much as it could be. I look for connection. I want that connection. And that can make up for a, quote, bad experience. Not always. Sometimes it's all bad. (laughs) But it can help greatly. So what I'm saying is that acknowledgement when you really provide a human connection and build a little bit of rapport in a tiny little moment during the day with someone and just say hey you know what thank you so much that that can go a long way i mean imagine the people that you work with you know what i just want to stop you for a second and say thank you i mean what you just did for me was is very important to my day that goes a long way you know what I mean, think about yourself. Think about you're in a situation where you're, you're at the daily grind. You know, you're, you're grinding at your job every day and everyone's doing their own thing. They all have, they're all busy. They all have their own thing to do. And somebody comes up to you and say, hey, can you stop for a second? And you're like, oh, you know, I, I don't have time to stop. Just give me like 15 seconds. And you're like, oh, okay, what do you need? And they go, I just wanted to say thank you. You really helped me out today. And I appreciate that a lot. How does that feel inside? That feels pretty darn good. When I say it right now and I think of somebody saying that to me, I feel pretty darn good. I think that's a great connection to make with someone. Just do it every now and then. I mean, we all serve somebody in some way. And to really connect with them and say something meaningful, it can last the rest of their lives. I'm I'm telling you this from experience. When I was in my 20s, Um, I used to ballroom dance and um, there was a little band that uh, played ballroom dance music and um, I played harmonica at that time, but I never played in front of anyone. But the lead singer said, hey, why don't you play harmonica on one of our songs? 
And I was just like, I'm, I'm just not that good. I don't know. And he said, no, come on, you know, maybe you can just poke around at one of these songs or, you know, do your thing. And I was like, all right, give me a song and I'll take it home and I'll practice and we'll see if I can do this. And so I did. I practiced for, I don't know, a week or two. And I came in and for the first time ever, I was on stage with my harmonica and the song starts playing. And the very first thing that happens is like, I got the wrong key. <laughs> so I started playing and it didn't sound right to me. And so I, I grabbed the other harmonica knowing the key uh, and started playing again. And then from that point on, I was able to get through the song. And, uh, you know, whew. after that song, one of the dancers, um, woman, came up and she said, you know what, you're really good at that harmonica. And I was like, you know, thanks a lot. And, you know, that was that small connection that was really nice. But then she did something that lasted for the rest of my life. She said, no, I mean it. You're really good. And it took me a moment to just process what she really meant. She really wanted me to know how good I was. And um, it didn't even matter if I, if I felt I was good or not at that time. She wanted me to know that. And that stuck with me from that day forward. I felt so good about myself. I felt so good that somebody took the time to connect with me and said, you know, I'm serious. You're good. To this day, I remember that as something that made me feel so good inside. And I think that's an important lesson to take with you anywhere. When you can actually take someone out of their own thought processes. Like when she first came up to me and said, hey, you're good. I was like, great. But I was still in my own thought processes. You know, I'm trying to get off the stage. I'm closing my harmonica case. And uh, she stopped me. She goes, no. And, you know, that gives me the clue to stop what I'm thinking. No, I mean it. You're really good. And so she wanted me to process that. She didn't want me to think that was just some light comment. She wanted me to know that she really meant it. And boy, that had meaning for me. That was valuable to me. And I took that with me. And I think that's something that you can take with you too. Whenever uh, someone is serving you in some way, just to do this every now and then. Hey, can you stop for a moment? And they're going to be like, what? What <laughs> What do you mean? Stop for a moment. What, what do you, are you setting me up for something? And you can say, I just want to let you know, I appreciate what you did. It means a lot more instead of just saying it off the cuff, like, hey, you're doing a great job. It's a lot different to just say that uh, in their routine, even though it can be meaningful, but to actually take them aside and say, I just wanted to let you know that it meant a lot to me what you did, or I appreciate what you're doing. It really helped me out. Something in that sense. And that really goes a long way. It goes deeper than you can ever imagine. Again, it's been like 25 years or something since I've heard this. Is that right? 20? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, since I heard this, and it's stuck with me ever since. So this can be a lifelong, impactful thing. And I encourage you to do it. Stick around. We're going to come back and talk about insecurity. Be right back. Welcome back. Have you ever been insecure about anything? Likely the answer is yes. Likely you felt insecurity about something. And, um, you know, I've got something that I've been insecure about since, I don't know, third grade, maybe third. Yeah, I think it was third grade. And I've never said this to anyone. I've never talked about it with anyone. It's something that I don't like to share or haven't liked to share until today because I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to share with you something that I've felt completely insecure about in myself. And I've debated about talking about this. I, I wondered, is this something I want to do? Is this something that I really need to get out there? Is this something that I is it time? You know, is this the right time for me? Because I've been holding on to it for a long time. And the reason I want to share it with you is because if you feel insecure about anything, I want to do this as your stepping stone to get beyond your own insecurity. So I'm going to put myself out there and feel the insecurity come up in me as I speak about it on the air for the first time or with uh, anyone that's outside of my closest circle of friends and family. And even my close friends don't know about this. 
I mean, there are some close friends that I've had that I never shared uh, this with. And before I share, I want to read you a letter that I received from uh, someone I call Brenda. Brenda says, Hey, Paul, I've been listening to lots of, lots of episodes lately, especially about insecurity that comes from childhood trauma. In my last couple of relationships, I've been plagued by jealousy. I know my jealousy comes from my insecurities, which stem from a complicated history of sexual and emotional abuse. I'm an anxious attached who tends to attract avoidance. You can tell she's done some research about <laughs> about what she's going through because uh, of those technical terms. Uh, as we do, I have often found myself consumed with jealousy when my insecure partners pull back. I always assume it's because of someone else. I can get really out of control, obsessing over who the other person might be. How do I heal my own insecurities so that someone else's insecurities don't trigger my unreasonable responses? Even better, how do I heal those insecurities so that I don't attract emotionally unavailable men in the first place? All right, Brenda, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, a history of trauma, sexual and emotional abuse. That is very challenging for, you know, a child to go through, or I don't know when you went through it. I'm I'm going to assume either stemmed from childhood or or when you were younger. But um, even if you were older, it can be so traumatic that it changes how you uh, respond in life, how you show up in life, the decisions that you make. So my first question to you is what do you get jealous about? What specifically do you get jealous about? I think that's important to know because when you're jealous, there's something that you believe that maybe someone else is bringing to the table that you don't have in you or that you aren't confident about in you. For example, a guy might get jealous if his partner was talking to another guy that was handsome and uh, uh, wealthy and, you know, single. And so a guy might go, I'm getting jealous about this. And let's just say that his partner goes out with that guy for a business lunch or they go out for business uh, meetings all the time, you know, and it's just the two of them. A guy could get jealous about that. So in that case, that guy might feel like I'm not handsome enough. I don't have enough money. Whatever insecurities come up in him are going to be very specific. You know, money, looks, wealth, health, whatever. I need you to get clear on exactly what those things are so that you know what you need to address in you. Now, with that said, again, thank you for sharing that, Brenda. Um, I'm going to reveal to you something that I've been insecure about since third grade. And that is this. I'll just, I'll set you up with um, the situation. So in third grade, you know, we were told to, um, after gym, we had to take all of our clothes off and go into the showers. This was highly traumatic for me. (laughs) I mean, just the idea that I would be naked with a bunch of boys. It was just, it it never happened in the past. And now we're being forced to do it in our class. So that was traumatic enough. But when I took my shirt off, I remember, I don't know how many said, I know one person at least said, what's wrong with your chest? And that's the first time I'd ever heard that. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, how it caves in like that what's wrong with your chest and suddenly I became hugely insecure I mean just like that's the first time I'd ever I'd ever heard that I didn't know I had a problem I didn't know I had some quote deformity until some kid mentioned it I mean this happens to us right as kids what's wrong with you what why do you have that mark on you what's that on your face you know we hear these things that other kids might say to us and suddenly we feel insecure about it What's wrong with your teeth? What's wrong with this? Why are you so short? Why are you so fat? Why are you so tall? Why are you so skinny? I've heard actually some of the stuff. And, um, but that event that happened in third grade affected me for the rest of my life. And, um, from that point on, I would not take my shirt off, uh, at the pool. I would wear my shirt in the ocean when we went on vacation up until my twenties. When I finally came to a place of, you know what, this is ridiculous. I, I got to stop wearing my shirt. I actually feel like I'm being watched more when I wear my shirt. So I started taking my shirt off. And yes, I'd noticed people looking. 
were they looking at my chest? And I have something called um, pectus excavatum. I even hate that term. <laughs> it sounds like a, um, a sand pit where they're excavating. You know, they're digging and making large holes and digging the ground up in the cliff sides. And, you know, that word excavating makes me sound like I have some excavation going on on my chest. And so I just, I never, I don't even like the term. I don't like even saying it. Um, I remember going to a doctor when I was in my teens and he had me take my shirt off and I figured, okay, I can take my shirt off in front of the doctor and uh, that won't be traumatic. That won't make me feel any more insecure. And what the doctor said (laughs) made me feel even more insecure. He goes, wow, this is the worst case I've ever seen. And I was like, Oh my God. And I just, I couldn't get that out of my mind. So now, you know, I have this third grade trauma that I have to deal with. Now I'm at 16 or 17 and the doctor's like, this is the worst case I've ever seen. And now I feel even more traumatized. And I remember being, this was at a cardiologist, I think. I remember sitting on the, the little exam bed there and a bunch of, um, intern doctors, or I don't know, maybe they were studying medicine at a college or something, they all peeked in the window because the doctor brought them over to show me them. I actually became the display for this pectus excavatum. And they all looked at me and they're like, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, they're just murmuring among themselves. And I'm just remembering this happening right now as I talk about it all these young interns or whatever they were just looking at my chest and, you know, oh, look at that. And they were all nice, but here's some more uh, trauma to add to my already insecure feeling about my chest. And so again, I'm wearing my shirt at the pool again. I'm not taking my shirt off. I don't want to show anyone. I don't want to have to deal with their curiosity, their fascination, or worse, their judgment. And this is where our insecurities often come from is the feeling of being judged. And so here I am uh, in my, what am I, 47 now, almost 48, uh, having this insecurity in me this whole time. Not because I know I can't get over it or anything like that. I just stopped addressing it. I just stopped thinking about it. It became a way of life to keep my shirt on. And uh, even with my best friend, I would never take my shirt off in front of my best friend. Even around the house, I get uncomfortable with my shirt off, knowing that it, it is so prominent. You know, the worst case ever, which I found out later isn't the worst case ever. <laughs> it just happens to be the worst case that doctor has ever seen. Uh, but, you know, I've had these, this insecurity almost all my life. And um, even like a year ago, I think, when I was at the pool with my girlfriend and her son, her son, like uh, 15 at the time, looked at me and he goes, oh my God, what's wrong with your chest? <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this is like replaying all over again from third grade. Fortunately, I was more secure in myself overall. And I realized, you know, as an adult, that people who've never seen this before will have that kind of reaction. I don't think it's okay to say what's wrong with you, but, um, you know, we have a good relationship. So I just said, you know, I was born this way and, uh, it's just something that happened. I couldn't tell you why, but, um, it's a common thing. A lot of people have it, uh, still feeling a little insecure about it. Still knowing that people are going to look at me, judge me, be curious, be fascinated. What's going on with him? What is that? So it's a very real insecurity that I've had. And I wanted to share this especially with you, Brenda, Um, and anyone who has an insecurity about themselves, especially with body image. There's a lot of body image insecurities out there. The reason I want to share this is because, A, I'm putting myself out there to be judged. I try to do this with almost anything that comes up in me. I put myself out there to be judged, for people to come up with their own thoughts about it, for people to think, oh, this guy has pectus excavatum. Oh, what does that mean? I wonder what that looks like. I wonder if there's any pictures online. I'll go look. Oh, look at all these pictures. I wonder if that's what he looks like. You know, this is all going to happen. What is this? So I put myself out there because I want to get over this. So this is for you, Brenda. I want you to get past the insecurities. And one of the ways to do it 
is to come to an acknowledgement of what you are insecure about in yourself. And what I'm insecure about is that. So I'm putting it out there so that I don't hold on to it anymore. I don't want to hold on to this anymore. I want to get rid of my resistance to it. I want to be comfortable with it. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to be automatically comfortable with it. There are steps that I had to think about in order to get beyond this. For any insecurity in general, and these steps may help you too. But one of the very first things that I've had to do over the years to help me get to this point was own it. Like, I need to accept that people are going to comment about it. So I have to own it. And then when people comment about it, there are several ways I can answer. I can just answer like I did, you know, to my girlfriend's son, like, yeah, that's, that's how I was born. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have this, but you know, there's nothing I can do about it. Well, there probably is there's surgeries and stuff like that, but really, am I going to go through that, uh, you know, today? No. So I own it. This is how I'm built. Nothing I can do about it. There's nothing more I can say about it. This is how it is. And that forces the other person to come to a, uh, oh, uh, okay. They can be okay with it. They can get past it or they can judge it and criticize me or whatever they want to do. But now the ball's in their court because I owned it. Yep. That's how I am. It's sort of like when I talk about um, bullying, you know, when you're bullied by someone. Like when I was bullied in school when I was around 17 or so, they used to make fun of my last name and I would resist and resist and resist. And then finally, I just accepted the name they gave me, which was, you know, odd because they want me to resist. They want me to feel bad about it. But they would say, hey, you know, they they called me uh, colonoscopy. They would say, hey, colonoscopy. And um, I would resist the first few days. And then on like the fourth or fifth day, I just said, hey, I responded to it instead of resisting it. And they didn't like that. (laughs) They didn't like it so much that they stopped calling me the bad name. They stopped making fun of me. When they stopped making fun of me, um, then it was over. As soon as I accepted it, as soon as I owned it, it was over. Now, some people might say, well, how, why don't you just punch them in the face? Or how could you, you know, stand by and just let them do that? I suppose, you know, if I had uh, more courage to honor myself, to step into that uh, place where I go, you better shut up or I'm going to punch you in the face. It's not always the answer, of course. I could have done that. But boy, it sure seemed like uh, it went away faster just by accepting it, which extinguished the energy behind it because all they were doing is looking for a reaction. And once they didn't have that reaction anymore, it stopped. The bullying stopped. So this is the same thing. An insecurity in you when you own it and you come to an acceptance with it and you accept other people's comments about it. Yep. They might say things like, wow, you're, you're deformed. Have, has a doctor looked at that? I mean, if that's what they say, which could be seen as very immature, I don't know, depending on how they say it, you could answer something like, yeah, I know I'm broken. Are you going to be okay with that? It might be something you say back to them. That's not really my suggestion, but you could have fun with it. But the idea is just to own it. You own that, what you're insecure about, and you accept it. You accept that there's nothing you can do about it. That's who you are. Even if there's something you can do about it in the future, in that moment, there's nothing you can do about it. For me, that's how I was born. Nothing I can do about it. Full acceptance. Now, once I got past those two things, the next thing I did was ask myself, Why am I insecure about this? And the answer that comes up for me is because it doesn't look like a, quote, normal chest. So I realized I'm insecure because I'm comparing uh, my chest with other people's chests, with other guys' chests. And when I do that, of course, I'm going to find that I feel insecure because I don't match most of the people on the planet. There's only a certain percentage of us that have this condition. So I don't match the most common body type. So that leads to insecurity. Now, this path to insecurity comes from choosing who I compare to. If I choose to only compare to those who have, quote, perfect chests, then I will always feel insecure about mine. But if I choose to compare to those who have it, uh, quote, worse than me, who have it uh, deeper than me, who have problems, who can't breathe, who have other issues with their body, with their chest especially, then I don't feel so insecure about mine. It may not go away, 
but I don't feel so insecure about mine because I don't look like that. Now, what you're doing is being <laughs> a little judgmental against those who might have it worse off than you if you do it this way, but it's not a bad thing to just compare yourself to other people who may, quote, have it worse than you. I say, quote, because it may not be worse for them. I'm just saying, if you're going to compare something you're insecure about, don't compare it to the people that appear to be perfect, because you'll always be unhappy if you do that. So there's another uh, step out of this insecurity. It may be hard to do that, but that, that is uh, a step in the right direction. Another thing I did was uh, choose people that uh, based their connection with me on the whole package and not just my body. And that might mean that um, I, I am not in a relationship with someone who can't accept me for the way I look. Now, there's attraction and other things like that. If someone's not attracted to me, I don't want them to try to become attracted to me. I only want people that are attracted to me, at least most of the package here. So that might mean I have a limited selection. Fortunately, every woman that I ever went out with, even though they might not have known about my chest to begin with, when they found out, it was no big deal. They just don't see it as a big deal. In fact, two of them, including the one I'm with now, said, wow, my first boyfriend had that too. And I'm thinking, wow, this must be more common than I thought. And I think it is. So that helped to have someone that was understanding and didn't bother them at all. And even said, you know, it's what makes you, you. I like it. So that really shocked me when I hear that stuff. Because I always looked at it as the what's wrong with that part of my body. So the people that really matter in your life aren't going to have a problem with that. And I think that's a good way to look at it. If they matter in your life and they don't have a problem with that, then you shouldn't either. I know that's easier said than done. But if you're only concerned about what the most, uh, the closest people in your life think, that's a lot easier than thinking about what the world thinks. That's a heavy burden. Uh, anyway, the next step that I took to continue, I mean, I'm talking about this almost in real time because this is just very recent, just today, thinking about these steps that I'm getting out of this insecurity. I'm, I'm, and I'm sharing these with you because I want you to not feel insecure too. I want you to get out of an insecurity as well if you have any insecurities in you. So go through these with me if uh, you are still working on something in you. Another step toward resolving this insecurity is to laugh about it. And it, this really can help with anything that might be an emotional uh, trauma or wound in you. I know some of the wounds are deeper. You can't necessarily laugh about certain things. I mean, like sexual trauma might not be a laughable subject at all. But, you know, let's look at the more minor insecurities, at least more minor than that. Like for me, this chest thing is a minor insecurity compared to some of the emotional wounds from the past, even physical wounds from the past from abuse. But uh, one of my steps is to laugh about it. So I might laugh in the sense, like, for example, if somebody says, what's wrong with your chest? I might say something funny like, oh, when I was born, it was in the front seat of a four-wheel drive truck. And when I came out, I landed on the stick shift. <laughs> and uh, now I have this permanent indentation. And to me, it would be funny. It would be a joke. They would probably be like, what? They probably think, is that really what happened? And I'd be like, no, no, no. I was just born this way. This is you know, something that happened. I don't know how it happens, but uh, it just happened. So the way my bones formed or whatever. So this can be helpful, actually, when you're going through any type of insecurity, is to not resist it. Don't go into a resistance phase of, oh, I was hoping you were, wouldn't notice. Or you cringe and then you walk away and you don't want to talk about it. I say bring it out in the open. Let's talk about it. If somebody notices it, let's talk about it. And if you're uncomfortable talking about it, turn it into a joke. I know that's kind of weird advice, but let's just say that you're so uncomfortable that you want to get comfortable with yourself. Turn it into something you can laugh about. Yeah, I was born in a four-wheel drive truck and uh, <laughs> I fell on the stick shift. And see what they say. And they might go, what? That doesn't make any sense. Are you serious? Or they might laugh with you. But the idea is just to get comfortable enough to talk about it so that you can own it. Let's own this thing. We want to get to a point of who cares? I don't want to care and think about it all the time. I want to get comfortable enough to take my shirt off and just walk around as if absolutely nothing is wrong with me. Because really, nothing is wrong with me. 
nothing is wrong with you. It's just the comparisons that you've made. It's the words that you hear in your head of what's wrong with you. What, oh, for me, it was what's wrong with your chest. Uh, it's what you repeat for thoughts that keep coming back, that keep reinforcing how you feel about yourself. So these are all good to know about any insecurity that you're dealing with. The next thing is for me is that I had to remember that people who aren't familiar or comfortable with my physical appearance, I'm actually giving them the choice to access something inside of them. Now, this is important. This might be the most important point is that if someone notices something about you and they mention it and you're insecure about it, they have an opportunity to access uh, one of four things. Their compassion, like they feel bad for you or they feel for you in some way. Uh, Their acceptance, they notice and accept who you are no matter what. Their apathetic ignorance, in other words, they may or may not notice that and just not care one way or another, which means they probably wouldn't even mention it, uh, or their judgment. And the great thing about all four of these choices is that they are choices and they are in them. Because if you show up owning what you're insecure about and being okay talking about it, now the ball's in their court. They have to do something about it. They have to make a choice. Whatever's going on at that point is going on in them. For example, I'm at the pool, I take my shirt off, and someone's staring. Like, oh my God, that guy's chest. No, whatever they're thinking. I'm probably putting fake words in my head. Like, oh my God, that guy's chest. Oh my God, what's his problem? Did he get punched in the chest really hard one day? You know, I'm sure these thoughts have gone through people's heads. And of course, I might be assuming that they're looking at me, but they may be looking past me. They may have their glasses on with their eyes closed, and it looks like they're looking at me, but they're not. You know, all these things go through our head, but we tend to assume the worst. But the point is, they have the opportunity to make a choice. They can access compassion acceptance, apathetic ignorance, or judgment. But it's still in them. It's a choice in them, not a problem in me. Let me repeat that so it really sticks in you. It's a choice in them, not a problem with you. The only time it's a problem in you is when you devalue yourself for having it. When I devalue myself, I have to remember that I was given this body as opposed to another body, as opposed to one that can't see or can't walk or can't move at all. A lot of insecurities come from what you compare what you're insecure about to. So there's three comparisons you can make, actually. If you choose to compare yourself only to what's commonly perceived as perfection, you'll always be unhappy. If you choose to compare yourself only to those uh, you perceive to have it worse than you, you'll always have access to compassion. If you choose not to compare yourself to anyone, then you'll learn the most important life lesson of all, that happiness comes from how much you value yourself, not how others evaluate you. The toughest part of all of this is that to rise above the judgments and the criticisms and sometimes the people staring at you, you own what you are, who you are, how you look, and know that you aren't here to impress those who believe they are better than you. You're only here to impress everyone with the complete acceptance of yourself and where you are today. When you do that, when you impress everyone with the complete acceptance of yourself, you force others to face themselves too so that they have to make a choice to continue judging, which is a way for them to not focus on their own life and their own struggles, which delays their emotional healing and evolution, Or they can choose to show compassion, acceptance, or apathetic ignorance. And I'll take any of those any day over judgment, of course. But even when I'm judged, that tells me where they are in their healing and growth journey. In fact, when they judge me, I can secretly have a thought of that poor wretched soul. (laughs) For them to be bothered by something about me tells me how much more healing they've yet to do in themselves. Now, that might be an ego trip in me because it seems like a superiority thing, but it's really just another way for me to process some of the harsher criticisms that could come my way. 
So I really want you to think about this. If you have any insecurities about yourself, I want you to think about everything I've said today because you know, here I am coming on the air. I tell you a bunch of stuff about my life, but it's not because I love being on the microphone and telling you all about myself. It's not that. It really is part of the healing process for me. And I tell you this because sometimes it takes someone to take a step that you can look at and go, wow, that guy took that step. Maybe I can take that step too. I really think, you know, it's so much more powerful if someone is the first one to be vulnerable. You know, I want you to be able to be vulnerable. And of course, you have to do that when you feel safe with people. But sometimes you don't feel safe and it's hard to feel safe with anyone. So that's why it's helpful for someone to take the first step so that you can take the next one. You can take your first step. I want you to take your first step towards something that you feel insecure about. Because once you do, you start the healing process. You get to that point where the insecurity doesn't have a hold on you anymore. It's not what controls you. It's not what causes you to make certain decisions or live your life a certain way. Own it. You have something that you're insecure about, just own it. Someone makes fun of your nose, yep, I was born with this nose. It's, it came from my dad. I mean, that's why I look at my nose. I'm like, my nose looks big. <laughs> and some people say, no, your nose looks normal. But, you know, we judge ourselves. My nose looks so big. But now I go, yeah, that's my dad's nose. <laughs> that's what I look like. So it, it doesn't become a problem for me because that's who I am. That's how I'm built. That's what it is. If you don't like it, walk away. <laughs> go deal with your own problems. If you're here judging me, then you're wasting time that could be spent investing in yourself, working on your compassion, working on your empathy, working on what needs healing in you, working on the old programs that are running through you. If your parents were judgmental and they passed that ju- those judgments on to you, when you find yourself judging others, that is often because you're not taking the time to invest in your own healing, your own growth, to figure out um, what you need to do for yourself so that you're not trying to control the world outside of you, which is really what judgments are all about, right? We're trying to control the world outside of us. Why is that person doing that? I don't want that person to do that. Why does that person look like that? I don't want that person to look like that. You want people to be a certain way. You want things to be a certain way, your environment to be a certain way. So the judgments come up. But what would happen if you embraced acceptance? This is what we do when we have an insecurity. We force someone to make a choice. They can either accept us, they can love us, they can support us, or they can judge us, they can criticize us. But it's still their choice. It's in them. I love passing that ball. (laughs) Here it is. The ball's in your court. You do what you want now. I'm living with what I got. I've accepted what I got. If you can't accept it, not my problem. I hope this helps with you. Thank you so much, Brenda, for, for writing in and sharing that. I don't know the particulars of your situation, but I hope this helps you come to a better place of insecurities. And uh, listen to my episode on jealousy. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and look up uh, jealous or jealousy in the search field. And you'll find um, probably two or three that I've done specifically on jealousy. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back and we'll uh, say some thank yous and close the show. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. No, really. Thank you. I want to tell you that I am grateful for you. Thank you. All right, before recording this closing segment, uh, I went out to my truck. I know, big deal. (laughs) But while I was out there, um, you know, I was walking down the stairs and um, I thought about the insecurity segment. You know, I've been insecure with this whole chest thing all my life. And while I was walking outside just a few minutes ago, I thought, what would happen if I took my shirt off? Now, not that I'm going to go do that for no reason, but it's a thought that has not occurred to me because it never would have occurred to me if I had not considered addressing this issue now. I mean, like I said, this is real-time stuff. (laughs) What I recorded today regarding, you know, taking my shirt off at the pool and being uh, insecure about it is, uh, is all happening right now. So, 
this is the first time I've actually considered what it would be like if I could walk around without a shirt on. You know, I'm a guy. I should be able to do this. This shouldn't be a problem. And I wouldn't have had any thought like that at all because I had never addressed it. And it's good that these thoughts are coming up. I want these thoughts to come up with your insecurities. What would happen if? What would happen if I talked about my insecurity with someone I know? What would happen if I talked with my mom or my dad or my best friend or someone you trust? What would happen if you revealed an insecurity to people that might judge you? I mean, that's what we fear, right? We fear uh, being judged because uh, we're insecure about it. And if we're insecure about it, you know, that's the part of our emotional armor that's the thinnest. And if they get through that, that could cause us some emotional pain. And now we got to deal with it. So that's why I think it's important to deal with it. That's why I think it's important to address it, that when these insecurities come up, we don't want them to dictate every decision that we make. We, we don't want our insecurities to dictate our behavior, to cause us to make choices based on those insecurities. I mean, let me rephrase that. I don't want them to. <laughs> I don't want them to be a hindrance to you. I don't want them to be an obstacle for you especially if you want to feel comfortable and you can't because you are carrying around an insecurity or two or three or more. So when you choose to address them, it is possible that as you heal through them, your insecure thoughts won't come up anymore. As I grow and learn and heal through my own insecure thoughts about my body image, pretty soon I'm not going to think about it at all. And that's going to be life-changing for me. It might be something minor for a lot of people, but for me, it has been a major factor in everything in my life. I mean, facing my insecurity was one thing, but owning it, owning what has been holding me back in some ways is another. And then accepting, if you are able to face your insecurities, own your insecurities, and then accept them, you're on your way. But the big deal is, is when you talk about them, when you express what's going on inside of you when you when you express what you're insecure about that's a whole new ball game and how about what if they didn't bother you at all that's when you know you've overcome them completely today was a big step for me today i recorded something that i've never put on the air before and i've never told anyone outside close very close friends and family not a, not even all my friends any friends that are listening now are like what <laughs> all this time you didn't tell me or they're probably just saying, uh, so what? <laughs> not a big deal. Um, but it was a big deal for me. And, and getting it out, now I have nothing to hide. Now it's like whatever was holding me back before in that area of life is going to become a thing of the past soon. This is actually what I like about putting myself out there to be judged in front of thousands and thousands of people. Because once it's out there, then I never have the feeling of, I hope they don't bring it up. You ever have that feeling? I hope that person or those people don't bring it up. I would rather just bring it up, get it out in the open. Hey, let's just uh, make this public and then I don't have to worry about it. Now, if they bring it up, it's already talked about. You can find it in all the tabloids. <laughs> Podcast host reveals all. Just kidding. I don't think uh, the show is tabloid worthy yet. Uh, so I want you to consider your insecurities and the first step you can take toward outgrowing them. Remember that the people that learn about your insecurities have a choice. You give them a choice by impressing everyone around you with the complete acceptance of yourself and where you are today. That's how you take yourself out of their observation of you. You don't become part of the equation and their viewpoint. You become an impartial observer and wait for them to come to their own closure because you don't need closure. You've learned to accept you exactly as you are. Doesn't mean you have to like it. <laughs> you may not, but accepting it takes out all the resistance, which also removes you from the dilemma of facing your insecurity. For example, I want to remove myself from other people's observations about what I'm insecure about so that they can deal with it. That way, I no longer have to. And if they decide to comment on it, I'll just tell them a joke. I'll tell them that, hey, you know, when I was born, I had another head there and the doctor saw it and he said, we can't have that head there, so let's remove it. And that's what was left over. And then they'll be disgusted <laughs> and they'll look at my face and they'll realize, oh, he's joking. 
And then I'll say, no, 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 I was born this way and um, just the way it is, you know. You know, not too many people comment. As you get older, um, that kind of commentary, because we all start growing things on our body, we all start looking a little different. Some of us gain weight, our hair changes, our hair falls out. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen as you get older. So there's less and less judgment, typically, from what I've seen as I, you know, I'm 47 going, going on to 48. I think I'm starting a liver spot somewhere. I mean, it's not that old in the grand scheme of things, but as you get older, your body changes. There's less judgment about bodies, at least from the circle of people I'm in. Of course, I don't like to hang around toxic people, so I don't hear toxic comments like, oh, look at you, you're, you know, you're growing this or you're losing that. Uh, but when I was younger, it was so prevalent. It's so prevalent to get judged for the way you look or there's something about you that's different than everyone else. So now you're this target for getting made fun of and it hurts and it's hard. But let's address it. Let's conquer it. Let's own it. What are you insecure about? Which insecurities do you want to get rid of? If you need to listen to this episode again, go ahead and do that because I want you to be so comfortable with your insecurities that you become secure in yourself. And if you need more help doing that, keep listening to the show. And while you do that, keep your mind open so that you can step into your power. That'll help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. One without all these insecurities and with all the confidence you need to heal, grow, and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Yeah.